This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. No my hari mai. Kua tai te wā ki hipuna kōrero, ko Kelly Pike Tokungwa. This is a podcast hosted by Waikato Environment Centre Go Eco. We are a voice for the Taio environment, a centre for ako learning, and a catalyst for change. Hipuna kōrero shares the aspirations and mahi of our team and community as we work towards a vision of healthy environments and thriving communities. Wā fakamutanga. Kitty Crossland, a Pākehā queer femme with a passion for making cities better places for everyone, joined us to talk about bringing intersectionality into their work as a transport planner with Emma Cagney. We heard about Kitty's ongoing research in sexuality in the city, planning for queerer public space, and the experiences of disabled people using public transport. You can whakarongo listen to that podcast from freefm.org.nz or from your favourite podcast platform, search for Hipuna Kōrero. You'll also find our podcast in a tab at the top of the Go Eco Waikato Facebook page. Etenera uh, Sanctuary Mountain Mangatauteri was nominated for two accolades in the Virtual New Zealand Tourism Industry Awards this week, the Department of Conservation Award and Community Engagement Award, which they won. Joining us to talk about what Sanctuary Mountain is and offers people and planet is Marketing Manager Freeman Ehu. Uh, kia ora ehoa, uh, no mahaere mai, ki hi puna kōrero. Uh, Moreno Ehoa, thank you very much uh, for having me on the show. Yeah, we're very uh, excited to be sharing the co-papa and uh, sharing um, well the award, not only with our own staff and volunteers and such, but uh, the community that help us win it too. Awesome. Hey, we should probably start with what the co-papa of the Mangatauteri Ecological Trust and what Sanctuary Mountain is. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, so, uh, Sanctuary Mountain Mangatauteri is a fully uh, predator pest-proof. A fence sanctuary uh, in the heart of the Waikato. Uh, it's actually the largest uh, pest-proof uh, sanctuary uh, in the world, uh, which makes it world-class um, in not only uh, conservation, uh, but also in engineering and such as well. Um, the the biggest, I guess, benefit of having things uh, like conservation projects like Sanctuary Mountain is it allows us to be able to, I guess, question some of the, the, the conservation um uh, findings that we've found in the last uh, three to four decades, um, just because obviously a lot of the information and data that we've pulled from have also include, included things like pests and how they affect um, the environment uh, and, the, and these ecosystems. Uh, whereas by having a, a pest-proof uh, sanctuary, we're actually able to see uh, native taonga uh, manu, uh, also the forest and, uh, and fauna of uh, the Waikato flourish because it's not dealing with um, with things that potentially colonisation may have brought in, such as um, uh, shipwrecks or stoats or anything like that. So the, the sanctuary is a, a snapshot in time, um, and I think that's why a lot of people uh, really rally behind this, because uh, they can see uh, this project and this kaupapa growing and extending to the rest of Aotearoa uh, and aligning with the uh, Predator 2050 um, goals that we all have. 
And that segues very beautifully into my next question. Uh, in native forest restoration, we, I should say, at GoEco, we often look to restoring the whenua and Māori uh, to what it was pre-colonisation. So what can you tell us about the significance of Mangatauteri for mana whenua? Yeah, most definitely. So the, the, the significance for us in terms of, um, I, I guess, uh, from a values perspective, in Sanctuary Mountain, um, our core value is to share the mana and the Māori of Mangatauteri and to be uh, kaitaki of uh, the sanctuary and of the local whenua, uh, because that's how we see ourselves. We see ourselves as protectors. Uh, now, the, the only way that we ourselves can see that sustainably happen is by involving local mana whenua, uh, local um, iwi, and especially local landowners, people who have um, you know, lived here and have generations' worth of knowledge of the local area. Um, firstly, we see like our work essentially uh, unable, unable to be uh, undertaken um, if we didn't have these relationships in place. And, and that's why it's so important for us uh, to include the community um, in the project, not only currently, um, but also in the future, because that's how we see this. We see this as someone has passed the baton to us because the sanctuary's been going on for 20-plus years um, to keep up all the mahi that they continue to do. Um, and what we'll do is we'll not only um, represent that legacy and, and continue it, uh, but we'll also be looking to develop the next a generation of conservationists uh, to take over the kaitaki ship of, uh, of Mangatauteri as well. Aye. Uh, what species have either come back or been reintroduced due to you having a predator fence? Oh, in, in all honesty, it's, uh, the list is as long as my arm, if I'm being honest. Um, I grew up in Kahikahi. Um, uh, well, I have to tell people Kahikahi because no one, know, no one knows where our parawet is when I tell them that I lived there growing up. Um, but that's actually just at, at the base of the Maunga itself. So I, I, I lived here uh, before the, the fence and such was around, uh, before the, uh, the, a lot of the native money and such had been translocated back. Um, so, I mean, you're talking things like... It, it's not necessarily reintroducing back. There are some that we have done, such as the Sisiponamu Rifleman, which we uh, reintroduced to the sanctuary um, earlier this year uh, in our translocation in June. Um, but it's also looking at things of there's just more of a certain species. So we see a large abundance of, uh, of tui, uh, of um, uh, saddleback tiaki at the sanctuary and such as well, uh, and that's only because of the, uh, the pest-free, a pest-free environment that they're able to thrive in. It must be a really rewarding role for you to have as marketing manager for Sanctuary Mountain, especially given that you grew up at the base of the maunga. Oh, firstly, 100%. That is exactly what it is. So... Um, yeah, without getting into too many details on age, yeah, it was over you know, 20 years ago when I, when I first grew up on the, on the base of the Maunga. And at the time, um, I remember them like I would have been you know, oh, a real young kid. I would have been six, seven years old at the time when they first started talking about the fence being built. And it's one of these things where um, you, know, you see it all the time where you know, there'll be some people saying, hey, yeah, it's a great idea. But at the time, there was a majority of people saying, you know, it's never going to happen, it's never going to work. You know, even if you build the fence, you know, they're not going to come back. Um, and it's phenomenal to be able to say 20 years later that, you know what, we built the fence, uh, the Tonga Manu are back, uh, the project is thriving. Uh, so it's not necessarily a matter of, of if, uh, this, if this project can work for the rest of Aotearoa. Uh, the question more is um, when can this be a project that, uh, that suits the rest of us. So it's a really exciting time to be a part of this project. Um, but, yeah, as you mentioned, it's, um, it's extremely humbling to be able to come back essentially to, to the place that I grew up um, and bring a lot of the skills um, that I've developed over the years, uh, you know, working in, in you know, larger towns like Auckland and Hamilton and things like that, 
um, and bring that um, skill base back to, to Pukeatua uh, for us to, to thrive. Congratulations on the acknowledgements for the New Zealand Tourism Awards. Um, what does winning the New Zealand Trust Community Engagement Award mean for you? Um, I, what it personally means to me is that it highlights something that that the, the sanctuary has been built on. It's been, it's been built on, on the backs of the community. Uh, without the community, it, it wouldn't have started. Uh, the, the sanctuary itself started off as the dream of one of the local landowners. Uh, then that dream extended uh, to, to the local community uh, and not only to that community, but the, the future um, of those communities and such as well. There's so many uh, people who, um, you know, would have been five, ten years old like me when the sanctuary first started being built. Uh, and now I'm seeing some of those people, you know, 20 years later, and, and they're bringing their uh, family and their whanau and their children with them. So it's, uh, for me personally, it's uh, just a confirmation of of what we've already known here at Sanctuary Mountain for the last 20 years, that without the community, we we wouldn't be operating. Um, but also it allows the rest of Aotearoa to know that there is a community here uh, that's um, based in the heart of the Waikato. It's actually doing phenomenal things, world-class things um, in regards to conservation. Um, and if they ever wanted to be a part of it or if they ever wanted to support it, um, depending on where you are, we're probably only less than an hour's drive away. Mm. In what ways do you rely on volunteers and what are ways that people can be engaged with uh, Sanctuary Mountain? Oh, most definitely. Um, our volunteer base currently at the Sanctuary, we, we currently have over 250 active volunteers um, on our roster at the moment. Um, the, the Sanctuary itself is, has a circumference of 47 kilometres um, and uh, a land size of uh, 34 to 36,000 hectares from memory. Um, so it's a large area to cover. So we highly um, rely on, on the mahi of uh, local landowners, volunteers and such to be able to conduct that work um, and thankfully um, the, the ways that we can um, get out and recruit volunteers um, have just increased uh, with, with technology so we can easily um, have people email in or contact us via social media after they see a post and say hey look you guys are doing awesome mahi. we really want to get involved, how do we do that and um, then we send them a sign up link to join our volunteers um, otherwise the most common way if I'm being honest um, is to have uh, visitors come here uh, mm-hmm. for a day and do one of our tours um, and then get back to the sanctuary reception desk and say, I absolutely loved it here. How can I get involved? What can I do to support? And, and at that time, uh, in all honesty, is probably when we come out and say, hey, well, here's uh, a volunteer form and here's the, uh, the jobs and stuff and the support that you can help us out with further. So we're extremely lucky to have a, a very uh, helpful community uh, with this project. You mentioned visitors. What is the impact of COVID on on, on your work? Um, I guess because we operate in, in two almost um, functions side by side. So uh, there's one part of the sanctuary which deals with the visitor experience side, so that's like visitors and tours and things like that. And then there's the other side, which is our conservation, which is looking after our like Taonga Manu and our species that live on the moment, like Tuatata as well. So our rangers, they're considered essential. So everything that's, um, that's considered outdoors to protect the fence, to keep the animals safe, um, considered essential. So all of our rangers continue to work throughout the lockdown. Um, for our visitor experience team, uh, we did actually uh, lock down during, um, during the initial lockdown. Um, we actually decided to stay uh, shut during level two until the new traffic light system comes into place this Friday, just to allow us for time to get our processes and procedures in place to not only cater for our staff and our visitors, 
but also cater to the, uh, the, the large pool of volunteers that we have as well. Mm. So when are you reopening for visitors? So we officially reopen back to the public. Uh, our visitor centre and our southern enclosures open from this Friday. Um, and the, so that's our visitor centre and the smaller enclosures on the Maunga. But the overall um, sanctuary reserve of Maungatotu, so the actual mountain itself, um, is actually a public reserve. So there's about 90% of the sanctuary, uh, which is a public reserve, which people can visit any time of the year, as long as obviously um, you're not in lockdown. Mm, mm. Uh, so that's exciting then, uh, being able to reopen to uh, people and watch them enjoy enjoy uh, the work that is happening out there. Where can people go to find out more about coming out for a visit? Oh, definitely. So the best place that people can get more information in regards to uh, booking a tour um, at Sanctuary Mountain or, or visiting, I would uh, be our website. So it's uh, www.sanctuarymountain.co.nz. Uh, and from there, you'll be able to see what upcoming tours we have, uh, as well as uh, any upcoming uh, volunteering opportunities to get involved in such as well. Perfect. Uh, kia ora, Freeman. Congratulations on the New Zealand Tourism Award. Um, I appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you very much, Kelly. And yeah, we want to say a big thank you to everyone out at the community for supporting us. And um, yeah, we hope to, to take it out again next year. Coming up, we'll be joined by Karen Barlow to talk about Bush to Burbs, a community-led project to leverage off the success of Mangatauteri's predator control. Uh, a podcast hosted by Go Eco.
Uh, the waiata you just heard was Kiriru from a Whanganui Atara band, Dr. Ricknell. Before that, we heard from Freeman Ehu, marketing manager for Sanctuary Mountain, Mangatauteri. Mangatauteri, as you heard, is known as a mainland island with a 47-kilometre predator-proof fence that protects species within the mountain's forest and grassland areas. It's the spillover benefits of that fence and the power of the community that we'll move to now. Karen Barlow is the community organiser for Predator Free Cambridge, Mystery Creek and the new Bush to Burbs project. Kia ora, Karen. Hi. Before we talk about the Bush to Burbs project, can you tell us why predator control is so important and the benefits of the community taking on this challenge? Yeah, so predator control, what happens is Mangatotra is an awesome place with lots of birds um, and it's it's quite a large place, but of course birds are mobile and they spill over from the protected area being in the predator-free fence and they spill over into farmland and further out where there is little or no predator control. So when that happens, what the birds are greatly affected because they can't nest successfully because of the predators, the predators like rats, possums and stoats primarily. So it's important to do predator control around the predator-free area so that once they do spill over, they are protected. So getting the community involved is key, and that's what the Bush to Burbs project is all about. It's we're working on, uh, going to be working on um, getting 200 landowners involved um, from the northern Mangatauteri area to Cambridge. Um, that's about 200 properties, 11,000 hectares, and there's heaps of work to be done. There's lots of farmers there already and lifestyle owners doing some predator control, but probably it's not enough what they're currently doing and there's certainly big gaps in between those areas that are having predator control done on farms. So the Bush to Burbs project is about getting the community involved, letting them know the reasons why predator control needs to be done and um, getting them on board and providing them with traps and support. Just a couple of questions from there. How do we know that there's spillover benefits from Mangatauteri? Well, you can just see that by looking at Mangatauteri. If you think once upon a time there were very few birds there, once the predator-proof fence went up um, and there's no predators, our native animals, and we're not just talking birds, um, but our native animals do really well. I mean, that's, that's scientifically proven. So birds with no predators in the area can breed successfully, rear their young successfully and go on to breed again. So that's proven. I mean, it, it's seen on offshore islands where there's no predators. So... Once they leave a predator-controlled area, such as Mangatauteri, the predator-proof fence, then they are at risk. So, and, and you can see that in town here in Cambridge, that yes, there is bird life here, but not nearly as much as if on Mangatauteri. Mm. And of course, um, Mangatauteri is uh, an example of what Aotearoa could be like in 2050 if we achieve our predator-free goal. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, obviously we need to do more planting and stuff for the birds as well. Um, so that's, you know, predator control is a really huge factor, probably the main crucial factor of, of birds breeding more. Um, but you need to also have the habitat. But yes, absolutely. If it's predator free, then that's what New Zealand will look like. That's what New Zealand used to look like. Mm. And I mean, you mentioned 200 landowners, which seems hugely ambitious. What do you need to make this happen? Um, of course, funding. 
funding is always key um, to getting this. And basically, we need the funding to provide tracks for the landowners. So it's not just about providing the tracks. We want to do education for them. Like I said, there are already a lot of people doing predator control on their properties already within those 200 properties. Um, and some have been doing it for 20 years, and their properties are amazing. And you can go to those properties and you can see the difference already. Um, but there's a whole lot of people that have either moved to the area or just simply don't know what they can be doing or don't know the extent of how much critical control they should be doing. So all the funding that we need will go towards the traps, but also education, um, providing them with some training, um, setting them up so they know, so they can be successful. So for people who aren't landowners in uh, the area that you're talking about, I mean, is this a benefit to them as well? Absolutely. So even if you're not within the Bush to Burbs 200 property area, other people can still be involved. So other people in Cambridge, but also the, the, the areas that aren't covered in the Bush to Burbs project. If you're doing predator control, if you want to be doing predator control, you can still do that and it will be beneficial because you'll still be helping the birds out. So where do we go to find out more information about the Bush to Burbs project and how, can we, how do we support this? So the Bush to Burbs project um, is just starting up. Um, so we have a Bush to Burbs Facebook page called Bush to Burbs. Um, or you can contact me directly, um, karen at goeco.org.nz to find out more, and certainly if you're within that area. But even if you're not within that area, I might be able to still be able to help you out with um, either education or pointing you in the right direction of what you need to be doing. Kia ora, Karen. Um, thank you for joining us today to talk about Bush to Burbs. It's a new project, um, but one that is really leveraging off the successes and the gains we've already had from Mangatauteri and the predator-free fencing there, um, which is really exciting. Absolutely. Again, an example of how we can continue that sort of halo effect, something we talked yep. about on the show a few weeks ago as well. Um, if you want to support the work of Mangatauteri, Bush to Burbs, and in fact do your bit to help our native species, you can purchase a rat, stoatal possum trap from the Go Eco shop or online. They start from $20 for a rat trap and make great gifts. In fact, our Eco shop has cool and useful products for people and the planet, carefully sourced to help you live more sustainably every day. We do the hard work so you can spend more time gardening, reading, or enjoying nature. We also have a growing selection of local art, scenes and badges, and today on Māori books, to browse. Kei te whakarongo mai kwe hi pūnu kōrero, a show hosted by Go Eco Wakato. Go Eco Wakato Environment Centre are a not-for-profit environment hub with biodiversity, kai, transport and enterprise projects. You can find out more about our work on social media, Go Eco Wakato, by heading to our website, goeco.org.nz, or better yet, popping in to 188 Commerce Street, Frankton, Kirikiriroa, Hamilton. Join us again next week for a new episode, but make sure you follow or subscribe to Hupuna Kōrero on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. Kia pai tōra i hoa
for more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.